Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. In this message today, John will answer the question, why is the devil so angry? If you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation, we're continuing our study, and we've come today to chapter number 12, which is one of the most interesting, practical chapters in all the book of Revelation. And in this chapter today, I want us to think about one of the devil's worst qualities, One of the things that makes the devil so dangerous and such a formidable enemy, and that is his anger. You may never have thought about that, but the devil is an angry, angry being. We think about his power, and we think about him going about like a roaring lion to destroy us, and all these things. We think about how he tempts us and, and, and tries to get us to sin, and he does all that. But beneath all those other things, what motivates the devil to do what he does is his anger. Now, at the beginning of the message today, I want us to try to answer this question. Why is the devil so angry? And you know, anger is a terrible trait in anybody. And we should all try our best and ask God to help us not be angry people. And yet, sometimes we, we are angry. And the devil certainly is angry all the time. Why is he angry? Let me give you several reasons. The first reason that Satan is angry is because he is jealous of God. Jealousy, someone has said, is the green-eyed monster. And it is. And if you're a jealous person, you need to understand that along with that jealousy will come anger and resentment. Now, you're in Revelation chapter 12. You just stay right there. But I want to read you a passage from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. This passage tells us how Satan, along with another passage in Ezekiel 28, how Satan, before he became the devil, before he became Satan, he was a beautiful angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. He was perfect in all of his ways. But he became jealous of God. He wanted to be worshipped just like God was being worshipped, and the result is he got kicked out of heaven. Now listen to this, Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now notice the I wills here, and we see the devil's pride. His arrogance. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. And so Lucifer was in heaven with all the other angels, and he was worshiping God, and then one day he thought, wait a second, I'm as good as God, I'm as beautiful as God, I'm as powerful as God, I want to be seated in the place where God is seated, I want these other angels to worship me, just like they're worshiping God, and so in his heart, he was jealous of God, he wanted to be like God, 
He exalted himself in his heart, and God humbled him. But we need to understand that at the root of the devil's problem is, and his, his problem with anger is that he is jealous of God. The devil would have you to believe that he is the opposite of God. And many times we think that. We think, well, God is the good force, he's the good power, and the devil is the bad power. Listen, the devil and God are not opposite. God has no equal. The devil is the opposite of, of some of the other angels, but he doesn't have the power that God has, and so he's very envious and he's very jealous of God. A second reason why the devil is so angry, and, and this really makes sense, and that is he has lost the privilege of living in heaven. Think about this. If you, for thousands of years had lived in heaven in a perfect environment with all the other angels and with God himself, and then because of your own sin, you had been kicked out of heaven, you would be angry with that. You would be upset that you had lost your home there in heaven. Now, in Revelation chapter number 12, look at just the first sentence in verse number 4, and we'll see this more fully in a minute. But I want you to see this now. This is talking about the devil. It said, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. That word stars there is a reference to the angels. Keep in mind, when Satan revolted against God and wanted to be God, a third of the angels joined in that revolt. And so when the devil was cast out of heaven, a third of the angels were cast out of heaven too. And those fallen angels became demons. And so there are millions of demons on the earth today. And that is a very intimidating thought to think, goodness gracious, in the world today, there are millions upon millions of fallen angels, of demons. And that's true. But remember this, for every demon, there's two holy angels. A third fell, two-thirds remained. And so there are more angels than there are demons or fallen angels. And yet the point I'm making is that Satan, he was kicked out of heaven. He took a third of the angels with him, and he's, he's angry. He's lost his home. Anybody would be angry had they lived in heaven, and now they, they can't live there anymore. And then a third reason that the devil is so angry is that he is afraid. Now, we don't think about the devil being afraid, do we? We think about the devil making us afraid and intimidating us and giving us fearful thoughts, and he does that. But why does he do that? Why does he instill fear into our hearts and our minds? I'll tell you why. Because he's afraid. And like, a, like an animal that is cornered, uh, that is kind of trapped in a corner, what's that animal going to do? He's going to strike out. Why? Because he's afraid. Well, the devil is very much like that. The devil is in the corner, and he knows his time is short. He knows his days are numbered. He's afraid, and so he strikes out and tries to make us afraid. Now, the question is, why is the devil afraid? Well, look at your outline, what I've said at this point. He is afraid because he knows that his future includes a thousand years in a bottomless pit, and eternity in hell. Now think about that. If you, as you look out into your future, if you knew, not thought, wondered, or feared, but if you knew that in your future you were going to spend a thousand years in a bottomless pit, I, my mind can't even imagine how you could be in a bottomless pit for a thousand years because you'd think at some point you'd hit the bottom. But it's a bottomless pit. So for a thousand years, he will be free-falling down this pit where he, there, is no, there is no bottom. And then at the end of that time, he will be released and then sentenced to an eternity in hell. We read about both of those in Revelation chapter 20. And so if you and I know that that's what awaits the devil in the future, well, you can rest assured he knows it because he knows the Bible better than we do. And so what does that do to the devil? It makes him afraid. 
Because he doesn't want to go to the bottomless pit and he doesn't want to go to hell. And so what I'm saying is you take these three things and put them together and, and it explains very clearly why the devil is so angry. He's jealous of God, he's lost his home in heaven, and he's afraid because he knows what his future is going to be. And so this makes the devil very angry. And, and he's angry and he's dangerous and he's striking out and he's trying to do everything he can to ruin our lives. Now, let's keep following that thought of his anger and let's ask this question. What is the result of the devil's anger? Sometimes a person gets angry and they stuff it and they hold it in. Sometimes a person gets angry and they let it out. And uh, both of those are, are the bad way to deal with anger. Well, what is the result of his anger? Well, I want you to r- write this down. Here's the result. He hates God and he hates everything and everybody associated with God. That is the result of the devil's anger. He has a hatred for God. Motivated by that jealousy of God. Motivated by the fact that God has more authority than the devil. He kicked him right out of heaven. And motivated by the fact that God has the authority to one day to send him to hell. So the devil hates God. There's no question about that. But not only does he hate God, the devil hates everything and everybody associated with God. And that includes Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. It includes the nation of Israel. And it includes you and it includes me. It includes every true child of God. The devil hates us. Why? Because he hates God and he hates everything that is associated with God. Now, having said that, let's go back in Revelation chapter 12. Pick up in verse number 1. And I want us to read through the first five verses to begin with today. And there's much symbolism here. But as we read through it, I think it would be very easy for us to understand. The Bible says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman, I wish you'd just underline that word woman, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, circle or underline that word child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon. Now somehow mark that word dragon. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. So she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. So we have the woman, the child, and the dragon. Who in the world are these people? What do they represent? Well, obviously, from verse number five, we learn that the child is a reference to Jesus Christ. Look at it again. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Well, who will one day rule all nations with a rod of iron? Jesus. And then it says, and her child was caught up to God and his throne, talking about the ascension, when Jesus went back to heaven. And so the child is Jesus Christ. Now, who is the woman? Some might say, well, the woman is Mary. She gave birth to Jesus, and so the woman here is a reference to Mary. But it's not Mary at all, and it'll come, become clearer later. But the woman here is a reference to Israel. Remember, Jesus is a Jew, and he was born into a Jewish world. And so, in that sense, we can say he was born of Israel. And so the woman is a reference to 
Israel. And who is the dragon? Well, the dragon, obviously, is the devil. It's interesting. In the book of Revelation, the devil appears 13 times as a dragon. And that ought to tell you something about the devil and his anger and his meanness and his desire to destroy. And so that's what we have here. We have Jesus being represented by the child, Israel by the woman, and the devil by the dragon. And what we have in Revelation chapter 12 is a chapter of war. And really in this chapter, there are three different wars taking place. First of all, there is a war on earth that has been taking place for a long time and is still taking place. And we'll just call that the first war. Now, if, if the woman represents Israel, and clearly she does, we know that from the inception of the nation of Israel that she has had enemies And people have done everything they could to destroy the nation of Israel. And this is why several times in our study of Revelation, I have highlighted the significance of Israel today in end-time events. Somebody has said that the lightning is flashing as the storm of God's judgment is coming. And as the lightning is flashing, Israel is the lightning rod. And so as goes Israel, so goes end times events. But as you study the nation of Israel, from its inception, there have always been those who have tried to destroy that nation. You can even go back as far as the second book in the Bible in Exodus and remember how Pharaoh mistreated the Jewish people when they were down in Egypt, when they had gone down there to get food. And he made them servants, and he overworked them, and he abused them. And so Pharaoh is an Old Testament picture of the devil mistreating God's people. And then you just trace it all the way through history. You don't even have to be a Bible student. Just a vague uh, student, have a vague understanding of what's happening in the history of the world. The Assyrians tried to destroy Israel. The Babylonians tried to destroy Israel. Alexander the Great tried to destroy Israel. The Romans tried to destroy Israel. And then we think we fast forward many hundreds of years and we say we see what Adolf Hitler did with those concentration camps and those gas chambers there in Germany. And that existed not only in Germany, but in, in many other parts of Europe. What was that? It was an attempt to destroy the nation of Israel. Now let me ask you a question. Who was behind that? Who motivated that? Was it Pharaoh? Was it the Assyrian leader or Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians? Was it uh, the Roman leader? No, I'll tell you who was behind all that. The devil himself. Any attempt to destroy the nation of Israel, listen to this, any attempt to destroy the nation of Israel is always satanically inspired. Satan hates Israel. Why? The first reason that Satan tried to destroy Israel long before Jesus was born is that he was trying to prevent the birth of Jesus Christ. The devil knew that if he could destroy Israel then Jesus would never be born. And if Jesus would never be born, he knew that Jesus would never ultimately defeat him. And so Satan did everything he could to prevent Jesus from being born. He was unsuccessful. Jesus was born. But what did Satan do as soon as Jesus was born? Satan said to himself, okay, the Messiah has been born. I was unable to destroy Israel. And so now what I'll have to do is destroy this baby boy. And so what did the devil do? He inspired and he motivated Herod to have all the baby boys in Bethlehem, two years old and under, and in the whole surrounding region, not just Bethlehem, but in the districts around uh, Bethlehem, to have all those baby boys killed. Why was he doing that? Because he was trying to kill Jesus. And so the attack against Israel and the attack against Jesus, motivated by Satan, comes 
was because of his hatred for God and his hatred toward everything associated with God. And even today, what do we see? We see the devil trying to do everything he can, motivating other leaders, even motivating other nations to destroy the nation of Israel. It is all satanically inspired. And we live in the, in the world we live in today, we do see, on the part of many, we see a hatred for Israel, and we do see a hatred for Jesus Christ, and it is all motivated by Satan. And so the first war that we read about in Revelation chapter 12 is a war that has taken place and that is taking place on the earth. The second war we read about in Revelation chapter 12 is a war that will one day take place in heaven. Hasn't taken place yet, but one day it will. Look in verse number 7 of Revelation 12. And war broke out in heaven. Now, keep in mind, when we're reading this book, John is talking to us. He's seeing things that will one day happen in the future, but he's writing about them in the past tense. And so just because it's in the past tense, that doesn't mean it's happened yet. It just means that when John, John has already seen a vision of this, and he's writing in the past tense. But this is a future event. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. And so now you have Michael, the archangel. If you want to talk about who is the equal of the devil, you could say Michael. They would be on the same way, good versus evil. But you can't say that the devil and God are equals because they're not. But so now you have in heaven, or one day you will, Michael and the holy angels fighting against the devil and the fallen angels. Verse 8, but they did not prevail. Literally, they were not strong enough. That is, the devil and his angels were not strong enough to defeat Michael and the holy angels. I've already told you one of the reasons why, because there are two holy angels for every fallen angel. And so now they've waged a war that they can't win. They did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. The name devil means slanderer. The name Satan means adversary, same person, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. You say, wait a second, John. You said this is a future event. Hasn't happened yet. Now we're reading about the devil being cast out of heaven. But you also said that the devil has already been cast out of heaven. And we read about it in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28, which is true. Both are true. A long, 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 long time ago... What we would call Old Testament times, the devil was cast out of heaven. He lost his home in heaven, and a third of the angels lost their home in heaven too. But even to this day, the devil has access to heaven. Did you know that? Even today, when you sin, the devil can go to heaven. He doesn't live there anymore, but he has access to heaven. And he can say to God, and he does say to God, and when I sin, the devil goes to God, and the devil says to God, God, did you see what John Redmond just did? Did you hear what he just said? Did you see what he just thought? And there he is preaching, looking all high and mighty and holy and godly, and look at what sin he's committed, and look at how he's fallen, look at how he's messed up, and look at what he's done wrong. And Jesus Christ in that moment stands up and says to the Father, Father, he's right. John has sinned. He said something he shouldn't have said. He's done something he shouldn't have done. But Father, I want to show you my nail-pierced hand. I have already paid for that sin to be forgiven. 
And that's what's happening in heaven today. He is the accuser of the brethren. And every time we sin, not only does he accuse us, make us feel hypocritical, rotten, dirty, nasty, and all that, he accuses us before God because he still has access to heaven. You say, John, is there a passage in Scripture that would teach us that the devil still has access to heaven today? Yes, there are more than one, but the most familiar would be in the book of Job where one day God was looking down on his creation and the devil presented himself and came to God in heaven. He just showed up. And God said, where have you come from? And the devil said, I've been roaming around on the earth. And God said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And they had this conversation. But the point is, even today, the devil has access to heaven. But there's coming a day when he will lose that access. And it's going to happen in the future event. It's going to happen during the great tribulation. At the midpoint, three and a half years into the tribulation, God will completely cut the devil off. No more access to heaven. What does that mean? It means that all of that anger will now be poured out on the earth in a, in a way that it has never been poured out yet because the devil will no longer be able to go to heaven and accuse us before God. He will just pour out his anger on those who are living on the earth at that time. It is a horrible thing. Well, to say that the Great Tribulation is going to be horrible is the understatement of all understatement. It's going to, it is going to be a time on the earth when the judgment of God is poured out on those who have never been saved. We have to remember that God, while He is loving, kind, merciful, and gracious, He is also holy and just. And God demands that all of our sins be paid for. Now, the good news is that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. The only person who ever lived a perfect life was Jesus. And yet He knew that one day you would be born and that I would be born, that we would sin. He knew those sins would have to be paid for. And so Jesus took those sins upon himself. He took my sins and your sins, and he died on that cross to pay the penalty of our sins. Of course, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and then he went back to heaven. That's where Jesus is today. He's in heaven. One day, he's coming back to the earth. But the point I'm making here is all of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior uh, we have received the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins have been taken care of by His death on the cross. But if you're listening today and you've never been saved, you've never received Jesus Christ, here's what that really means. It means that your sins are still on you. Your sins are unpaid for. They're unforgiven. And so unless you receive Jesus Christ, one day you'll have to pay for those sins yourself. And if you're living when the great tribulation happens, you'll pay for those sins on the earth uh, by the judgment of God being poured out on, on the earth. And if you die before the tribulation begins, you'll pay for those sins in a place called hell. And this is not something that is a popular teaching today, and it's not even something that I enjoy talking about, but it's just the truth of God's Word. And so today, uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have never received Him, would you just ask Him to come into your heart? I'll help you to pray that right now so that your sins, even now, can all be forgiven and they can all be washed away. Just pray. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Thank you that you'll never leave me. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer today, God heard you, 
And God has answered that prayer. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so your sins have been washed away. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so congratulations. We're happy for you. We're thankful for you. Share your decision with a friend and begin to grow in your relationship with God. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message, Why Is the Devil So Angry?, along with many others on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org, under the Broadcast tab. Also on our website, under the Booklets tab, we have a booklet entitled, In the Twinkling of an Eye. This is a great companion piece to our study on the book of Revelation. In this booklet, John gives us a timeline of the last days as he discusses the rapture, the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, and more. If the Peace by Believing radio program has been a blessing to you, please let us know by emailing us at info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for spending some time with us today, and we look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.